The very first one, relationship goal number one, we need to see our family members as God sees them. And how does God see, see them? Well, Genesis 1, 27, God created human beings in his own image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So every relationship, even your family members, they are created in the image of God. This is hard. I, I get it. I understand for you to look at crazy uncle George or you know, a crazy aunt and think, oh my gosh, they're in, made in the image of God. Yes, they are created in the very image of God. And in fact, the psalmist takes it even a step further in Psalms 139, 13. And he says, God, you made all, uh, all the delicate and, and inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully co- complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. Right. Um, Some of you struggle with the size of your nose, the size of your ears, how much hair or how much less hair you have. Right. Um, You are a workmanship that's marvelous. Right. God has created you just how he wants you. Accept that and accept that in that other person because you're like, oh, I wish that person would be right. And you fill in the blank. Well, no, they're created in the image of God. And this is something that we and I that you and I have to have a filter when we look at them. So we start there. They're created in the image of God. Step our, our relationship goal number two, that we see our family members with a God given purpose. Take a little bit longer on this one, because I think this is huge. This is so important that the way that you look at your brother, right? whether you're adopted or whether it's biological, the way that you look at your sister, biologically or adoption, right? The way that you look at them, that they are not just created in the image of God, but they're created with a purpose. Again, we can look at multiple places. I just wanted to see um, a couple of places this morning. One, uh, the prophet Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse number 4. Jeremiah, um, God showed up in Jeremiah's life and said, hey, I'm, I'm calling you to be a prophet. You need to go be my spokesperson to my people for this, right? So the Lord gave, this is Jeremiah's account of this. The Lord gave me this message. And here's what he said. Jeremiah, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Like before, you know, You were that twinkle in mom and dad's eye on that night, right? Before that, I already knew you. Before you were formed. Before you were born, I have already set you apart. Set you apart for a specific purpose. I set you, Jeremiah, appointed you as a prophet to my nation. You need to look at your sibling. You need uh, to look at aunts, uncles, cousins. You need to look at them through the image of God, but through the filter that God has called them for a specific purpose. Now, some of you struggle with that because you struggle with your purpose. And so maybe for you, what you need to walk away with is what? God, you know, your parents, right? Your parents told you this. You were an accident. Like you were like, whoops, didn't mean for that to happen, but oh my goodness. But God did. You were not an accident. If your parents told you that, you know, growing up, that they didn't plan that way, but God planned that way. 
He knew and he formed you and he's called you with a specific purpose. Look what Jeremiah's freaked out about the purpose that he was called for. And he says back to God, he says, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. So there's his excuse. You know, I don't have enough life experience. All the other prophets, they were, those are guys much older than I am. They, they were so much smarter. They have so much more life experience than I do. But God, I can't do that. You know what God says back to him? And he says this back to you for whatever your excuse is that you can't fulfill the purpose that God has for you. God says, don't say that I'm too young. Or he would say to you, don't say and then whatever your excuse is. I know that you don't feel equipped. I know that you don't feel like that you're smart enough. I know that you don't think that you could actually pull that off. But if God has called you to that, God says, don't say that. For you must go where I, uh, wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid. Don't let your excuse keep you from doing what God has called you to do. Why? Because he says, I'm going to be with you. That right there should tell the creator of heaven and earth says he'll be with you. He's going to actually walk with you through this. He's not going to leave. He's not going to call you and tell you to go do that and then walk away from you. No, he's going to be with you every step of the way. He's promised to be with you. He says, I'll protect you. He says, I, the Lord, I've spoken this. You can trust me. That's what he's saying. And this is the perspective that we need to have with these family relationships that are so difficult for us to see this. And this is, hey, listen, I know this is hard to see in family. And again, in Scripture, it was hard for them to see. Think about the second king of Israel, King David. Think about the greatness that he, he brought to the people of Israel. Think about all the things that he achieved, the city that he built, the foundation he laid for the, found, uh, for, for the temple to be built. Think about the greatness that David brought to the people of Israel. And you know who never saw that in him? His brothers. His own dad never saw that. So, here's the way I'm saying that. It's hard to see this in our family. It's hard to see the greatness in our family members. As, a great, as great as a King David was, his family never saw the greatness in him. Do you look for the greatness in others? The story of David in 1 Samuel 16 and verse 6. It's when they arrived, meaning Samuel and his entourage. When they arrived at Jesse's home, Jesse was David's dad. See, Samuel had, uh, God had told Samuel to go to Jesse's house and there's going to be the next king's going to come from there. And so when, when Samuel shows up, he sees the oldest brother. And I mean, he must, he must have been like 7'2", you know, 275, easy, two, you know, 500 pounds. He's, he's working out with 500 pounds. Like, he's, like, he's like this big guy. You say, how do you know that? Because Samuel shows up and he's like, certainly the Lord's anointed one is right here before me. It's like, he's like right here. Look at him. He could look at the, this guy could definitely take out the Goliaths, right? That be, be, and God shows up to Samuel at that point at Jesse's house. And you know what God tells Samuel? He says in verse number seven, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't look at his appearance or his stature because I have rejected him. He's like, like God is saying, you guys, you know, you humans, 
You, uh, humans do not see what the Lord sees, for humans see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. We look, we look at our family members and we just kind of sum them up for who they appear to be before us. But God calls us to take a deeper look. He calls us to look at their heart. You know the thing that made, different, uh, that made David different from anyone else? Was his heart. That's what made him different than anyone else. And here's what happened. Samuel um, is like looking for the next king and one son marches in front of him uh, after another one. Jesse, Jesse finally presented seven of his sons to Samuel. And Samuel's waiting for the green light and the green light never came. And Samuel told Jesse, the Lord hasn't chosen any of these. Like none of these. Dad brought his sons that he thought had the possibility to be the next king. But he left one out. And here was uh, Jesse's response. Look at Dad's response. Dad's, listen to me. Dad's, we, have, we play such an important role in our kid's life. In our relationship with our kids. You, dads, listen, you play such an important role in speaking greatness into your kids, to helping them to discover the greatness that God has called them to. Jesse didn't. Jesse, he says, um, the, Samuel said, are these all the sons that you have? Jesse's like, well, they're still the youngest, but come on. He's like the accident. He's like the one we didn't plan for. You don't, he's, he's taking care of the chores. He's tending the sheep. You don't want to see him, but Samuel's like, no. He's like, you got to bring him because God said he's here. And sure enough, David gets called out from doing his chores. And God taps Samuel on the shoulder and he says, anoint him because he's the one. Why? Because God sees the heart. Do you look at your family members and see what God could be calling them to and then call it out in them? That's called adding value. We're going to get there in just a minute. Relationship goal number three. Give thanks by name for each family member. Give thanks. Do you actually do that? Do you, hey, um, you have brothers and sisters, right? Do you actually say, God, thank you? I, students, in high school, junior high, if you're in elementary, uh, kids, listen. You, and, uh, you are called to actually give thanks for your brother and sister. You're like, no, I'm not. Yes. Um, look what Paul says. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 1, 2, he says, we always thank God for all of you making mention of you, like by name, constantly in our prayers. He is setting a model for us to pray for people by name. And he's no, no, he's not praying specifically for his like siblings. He's praying for the people at, at the church at Ephesus. But if this is a principle that you and I need to add to our life, that we actually pray for aunts and uncles and cousins. We pray for our in-laws, right? You actually pray for them by name. This will change the way that you see them. You, but you're like, yeah, but you don't understand my relationship with them. They're like, they like hate me. Okay, here's what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 44. But I tell you, love your enemies. 
If it's your in-laws, you know, love your in-laws and pray for those who persecute you. If you feel like all your in-laws do is persecute you, here's what Jesus would say. Pray for them. Pray for those who persecute you. Paul says this in Romans 12, 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Like when, when, when your in-law gives it to you, you're just waiting for them to stop, right? Because you're going to give it right back to them. No, that's not the call. The call is to bless those who persecute you. To bless, and, and in case you missed it, Paul says it again. Bless, don't curse. And then he says, don't repay anyone for evil. Yeah, but you don't know what they did to me, Rick. You don't understand. I don't, I, you're right, I don't. But what Jesus says, what, through Paul, what Paul says is don't repay evil for evil. Give careful thought. Should, what should you do? How should you respond? Honorable. You bring honor. In everyone's eyes, whatever would be the honorable thing to do in that moment, that's what you should do. So, that's what happens when you start praying for people. God will show you the honorable way to respond instead of react. He'll show you the honorable way to respond to them. So, that's relationship goal number three. Here's four. Relationship goal number four. Have compassion and add value in our family relationships. So we're called to actually love, to have compassion. And here's what Peter tells us. And Peter had in-laws. He had a mother-in-law, right? And in 1 Peter 4, 8, he says, Above all, he says, Maintain constant love for one another since love covers a multitude of sin. That's what love does. Now, That doesn't mean lay down and be a doormat. And we're going to talk about that as our last um, goal about setting up boundaries. So that's not what I'm talking about, to be treated, you know, poorly. But we are called to love. We're called to have compassion for them. And, And in fact, Paul reminds us of this in Acts. In Acts chapter 20, in verse number 35, he says, In every way, I've shown you that it is necessary to help the weak by laboring like this and to remember that the words of the Lord Jesus, because he said it's more blessed to give than to receive. If you would show up in your family relationships looking for ways that you can give, looking for ways that you can add value to them, Paul says, it's more blessed to live like that. To actually like look for that greatness. Look, look, have the eyes that they've got the image of God inside of them. Have the, have the eyes that God has created them for a purpose and then add value by calling that out in them. Saying, letting them know, telling them, hey, this is what I see in you. But this is the way not to do it. Paul said, don't do this. In Ephesians 4.20, no foul language. You know, don't, don't berate them. Don't belittle them. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good and for building someone up. That's what we're called to do our, in our family relationships. In those tough, you know, you, you may have a tough daughter-in-law or a tough son-in-law, but you're called to say that which is good, to build them up. Because there's a need there. So these are goals that we're supposed to have. Parents, for us, 
as you know, you know, I've said this a thousand times, I know, but for those who are new, I've got four kids. And early in our, in our marriage, we, we were very aware of this, of this proverb. Proverbs chapter 22, verse number 6. A proverb is not a promise. Make sure you make the distinction between the two. Proverb is like, hey, this is a good principle to live by, and it's like true, you know, 95, 99% of the time. But here's what we're called to do. The principle is still the same. We, we're, we're called to start out our youth, to start out the kids on the right way. We're to train them up in the right way before God. Why? Because the principle is that so that when, even when they get old, they won't depart. And Zoe and I can speak to that. Zoe and I can say, hey, our kids are all young adults now. And we, we have watched them walk away. And we have watched them come back. And so there's this principle that we're called to. And you and I as parents, this means taking intention out, that you have to be intentional about this. This just doesn't happen through osmosis or because you bring them to church. You know, it's your, it's my responsibility to disciple my own kids. That was my responsibility. And so there were ways that I had to interact with my kids when they were young, when they were young, to help them show them the way, the way of Jesus. Not only just with my words, but I had to model it. I had to live that in our own home. And when I messed up, I had to say, hey, I'm sorry. I messed up here. See, that's modeling the way. This is what we are called to do. It's not the church's job to disciple your kids. We are called as a church family to come alongside. You've been here, if you've been here for our dedications, our child dedications, the church is called to come alongside us. And we have an important role. You have an important role in every one of the kids' lives in this church family. And you beware of this. Here's what Jesus said about that role. Matthew 18, 6. But whoever causes one of these little, whoever, I'm sorry, whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to fall away, it would be better for him if a heavy millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. That's some pretty heavy words. But that's the responsibility of each one of you in the life of the kids sitting in the same row. Of you. You need to be careful how you interact with these kids. You need to see them as the image of God. You need to see that they are called with a purpose and you are called to call it out of them. You, you should be encouraging them. You're, you should be, hey man, you, I saw you do that. I saw the way you treated your sister. You're sitting there. When you were a kid, you're going to be like, here's the line, don't cross it, right? But they didn't care. They let their sibling cross the line, right? You should say that to. Hey, you were sitting in front of me and I saw the way you interacted with your sibling. That was amazing. Good job. Way to follow Jesus. Way to live that. That's what it means. That's, and that's adding value to them. All right, here's our last one. Because I'm almost out of time. Relationship goal number five. Create clear and healthy boundaries for family members. This is what I mean. We're not, you're not called to be a doormat, to be treated awful. I, and, and that is not love. Because love is, love is to be able to speak to somebody for what's in the best interest of them. And if they treat you like that, then in love you speak back to them and say, Hey, we don't treat people like that. We have a high value. We respect. We honor people. 
We don't treat people like that, right? So this is what creating a boundary means. First of all, it's for your own heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else. Why? Because it's the source of life. This is what's going to give you your spunk in your step, right? It's, it's your, it's, it, this is like when, when somebody in your life, in your family, in your circle of family, if, they, if you just feel like the life is sucked out of you every time, Every time you get with them, you need to pinpoint why is it? What is it that they do that just like drains me? And then you and your spouse need to talk about that. And as you and your spouse talk about that, you need to set up some healthy boundaries. It's like, hey, I realize that once I'm with them for like three hours, I just can't do it anymore. Right. So um, we have to leave at two hours and a half, you know, two and a half hours. We got to leave. That's a healthy boundary. Right. And, the, and you need to work together to create these kinds of things. Um, this is what, and it's meant to be good. It's meant, boundaries are meant to be a good thing. The psalmist re, was reflecting on boundaries. And these were the boundaries given to the tribes of Israel. And he says, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. That's what boundaries are meant to, to create in your life. They are meant to help you in life, to do better in life relationships. And so you have to create healthy boundaries. You need to read Henry Cloud's book called Boundaries. Henry Henry Cloud is a Christian psychologist, and he is amazing. He works with all kinds of top CEO leaders throughout America, and he meets in churches and speaks to churches all the time. But he wrote a book called Boundaries. Henry Cloud, write that name down, order that book. You need to read that. God has given you. You're like, this is so hard. Setting up boundaries is so hard for me. But here's what you need to lean into. You need to lean into what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Or, or like, like he hasn't given you, like I'm too, I might hurt their feelings. No, God hasn't given you that spirit of fear, but one of power. One that is a, and able to create a healthy boundary. He's giving you that power to do it in love, not out of spite, But you do it in love and you do it with sound judgment. Invite your spouse into this and how do we create healthy boundaries? Or somebody else. If you're not married and you need to create healthy boundaries with somebody else, then you invite somebody else. Say, hey, I want to do this out of love. I want to do this out of sound judgment. How can I create healthy boundaries? Kids, every kid that's in here, listen, please. Here's a healthy boundary that you need to live by. Here's a boundary that you need to lay out. You need to, uh, uh, the boundary is this, children obey your parents and the Lord because it's the right thing to do. That means when you go to your friend's house and they're like, hey, let's watch this movie. And you're like, oh my gosh, my parents would never let me watch that movie. Yeah, no, I can't watch that movie. I don't like that movie. You just, may, just tell them you don't. You don't even have to tell them your parents don't want you to do that. Just tell them you just don't want to watch that movie and watch something. Watch something else that you know that you uh, are allowed to watch. See, that's choosing. See, that's a choice that you make in advance and being intentional. Kids, listen, you need to do that. But students, it's no different for you. If you're in junior high, high school, the same thing is true for you. And you know what this will do? In your life, as you get, as your parents watch you as a kid do this, kids, listen, as you do this when you're young, when you become teenagers and they have watched you demonstrate this, I promise you this is true. You will have so much more freedom than you, than your friends ever have. Because your parents know 
that you're going to make right choices, right decisions, because you've already made them. So, see, boundaries are a good thing. And this is a boundary you need to set up. Students, you need to set up a boundary to choose to honor mom and dad. When, you're, when your friends are trash-talking their parents, you won't believe my parents. Brother, you know what? You should come back. Be like, hey, I'm sorry that you feel like that about your mom and dad. My mom and dad, you know what? The, uh, yeah, I have a curfew, but they love me. The, I have a curfew, but I know it's for my best interest because I'd probably get in trouble if I say that later. You know, um, choose to honor. Choose. Uh, students, listen, you, this is a choice that you make. And this is a boundary. This is something that you put into place. And what can be your trigger is as soon as you hear your friends talk, trash-talking their parents, oops, I'm going to keep within this boundary. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose to honor my mom and dad. Parents, specifically dads, God is speaking to you guys. Listen, dads, we have such an important role in our kids' lives. You have such an important role. Dads, please, every dad, if you're online and watching because you can't be in person, if you're a dad, please lock into this. This is a boundary that you need to put up. Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children. Now see, so, for whatever reason, some dads think it's funny when they, can, when they know how to push their kids' buttons. But that's not funny. Because that stirs up a resentment inside of them. And you know what? That doesn't bring you closer together. That brings you further apart. And the goal is what you want is when your kids become young adults, you want them to want to spend time with you, to want to come back to the house and have pizza nights. You want them to come back and go on vacation with you. You want that in that. You say, how do you know that? Because that's where my kids are right now. Friday nights at our house, it's pizza night every Friday night still. The, all, the, all the adults, they're, they're one another's, you know, they all come. And we hang out. We laugh. Sometimes there's arguments. And we eat pizza. But you know what? That comes because you worked hard to try and develop a relationship and not ostracize them and not push them away. I did a lot of things wrong. Oh, there's a hundred and one things that I could probably make a list of that I did wrong. But Dad's... All the research, you, Christian and non-Christian alike, all the research talks about how important the role of the dad is in the life of their kids. When you look at the criminal justice system, even, even the social sciences, scientists, will, researchers will say, it's because there was no father in their life. Come on, dads. I'm calling you. I'm calling you to live out this kind of principle. Don't make your career your number one priority. Make your kids a priority. Do you need you need to work and you need to work your butt off? Yes. You need to provide. Yes. But you make time to be their dad. No one else can be your kid's dad.
No one else can do that. No one else can fill that role. Oh, sure, God, so many times God will bring another godly man into the life of your kids, but that's not the way it was meant to be. You were meant to be your kid's dad. So let's be. Let's be that. So that's what leads me to my first next step. Step number one. It says this, I want to become better in my parent-child relationship. So I will commit to praying, not just for them, but actually with them. Parents, don't get hung up on this. Please don't do this. Please, parents, listen. Do not enter into a time of prayer for your kids and then start berating them in your prayer. God, you know how rebellious they are. You know how they lied last week. You know how they... Don't do that. That's not, that's, not what the, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about praying. With, you know, you pray for them. Call them out by name. Still do this. I still call all my kids out by name to God. Almost every day. But then when you pray for them, you pray the greatness that you see in them. You pray that for them. You build them up. You encourage them. Step number one, on your connection card, uh, take the connection card out of the chair in front of you. I forgot to say that, didn't I? You thought I was going to forget. This is so important because we're going to bathe this in prayer. So pull it out and um, circle step number one if you're a parent. Uh, if you want to get better, I hope that you do. I trust that you do. So put your name on there. We're going to pray for you. If you're online, there's a link there. You can click for the connection card there. Uh, step number two, pray that I can create a clear biblical boundaries for healthy relationships in every area. The single person, listen, you need to have healthy boundaries. You need to have healthy boundaries in your life. We want to pray for you. We want to pray that God, that you bring the right person in your life and help create the right kind of boundaries. This is step number two. Put your name, circle step number two on that connection card. Step number three, pray for me that I will see each family member. And their value as created in the image of God. This is, this is like you're going to see them created in the image of God. And then you're going to call them to the greatness that God has for them. Their purpose. Right? And it doesn't matter how old your kids are. We can still do this. We can still do this. It doesn't matter if this is for aunts and uncles, cousins. You can still do this. So... Step number three, put your name. We want to pray for you. Let's um, stand. We're going to respond. And we're going to respond. We're going to respond remembering the kind of love that God has for us. And that's what propels us. That's what calls us. Calls us to live. To create these kind of relationship goals in our life. Because His love for you is his love for you truly is unconditional you don't you and I we don't deserve it but he's called us to this so let's respond remembering his love for us